Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodokar Schaller. Hi everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to talk about body blows. <laughs> wow. Do you like that? <laughs> that was a body blow. <laughs> uh, but before we do, we've got some brand new Amiga news. News is a little thin this week, but we do have a few stories. Uh, I'll go ahead and start it out. Um, if you got a CD32, uh, there is a new unofficial CD32 compilation released by Amiga J, as reported at IndieRetroNews.com. We love them. It's called the Vertical SEU Collection. Now, what do you think SEU stands for? Um, sub. Shoot 'em up. I have never seen that before. You know, most of the well, time you see shmup or yeah. yeah this is SEU. SEU. Shoot 'em up. Okay. So uh, that is uh, a thing. That's they even consolidated sh- shmup down. <laughs> right. If that was too much for you to say, they got just three letters in. Um, and uh, anyway. Uh, you can check that out over at uh, Indie Retro News. It's games like Battle Squadron, Hybris, a favorite of the Amigos. Yeah. Uh, Lethal Excess. Uh, <laughs> I'm living that. <laughs> Banshee, which uh, we're actually going to do next week. Mega Typhoon. Ooh. Uh, just a bunch of games that sound very... Battle Squadron's good, too, if you've ever played that one. That was a lot of fun. Very cool names for, uh, for shooters. Uh, so there's 11 in all. And... Uh, and of course, you know, shoot 'em ups always have some of the best music. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. Uh, what do you have, Aaron? Uh, again, it was a it was th- thin going this week, but uh, I did manage to find out that it looks like, and we've covered this to death, but the uh, uh, the Cinemaware Retro title, Defender of the Crown Extended Collector's Edition for the Amiga uh, CD thirty two, the PC, the whole nine yards. It looks like they're going to ship that collection starting in April. Mm. That seems to be the new new date so if you're if you have pre-ordered good job and if you haven't pre-ordered you better go over and get it straight away because again this is a limited run and they're going to go quick yeah and, yeah. Then, and we need to sell these suckers out so we can get on move on to the other games in that collection uh i'm looking forward to seeing what they do next so uh, again fingers crossed on say a rocket ranger or a uh, maybe a massive wings collective or something like that so uh I think that uh, maybe we we might end up picking one of those up to give away on the show. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Get fact, it fried out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> in fact, uh, I've been thinking about um, what we should do to give it away, and I want to have some kind of contest. Okay. The problem is is I can't think of any good contests. You know, I want it to be something Amiga-related, something that people will enjoy doing for the contest, but I, I have no idea. Uh, if, if you have an idea for a contest for our podcast uh, in which you might be eligible to win wonderful prizes, such as the Defender of the Crown Collector's Edition, uh, send us a message uh, right, right on our Facebook page or send us an email, uh, amigos at amigospodcast.com, because uh, you know, we want to we give back and, uh, and start you know, delivering the Amiga goodness 
See, to, that, to you see all. that should be the contest. The contest is to come up with the best idea for a contest. That's not a bad and idea. And then we can use the, that contest for the next contest. You hey, see? you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> come up with the best contest idea, and you will win the Defender of the Crown Collector's Edition. Um, over at DeviantArt, uh, this, Ooh, is an, uh, this was a story posted uh, to our blog by Dreamcatcher. Uh, there's a lot over at DeviantArt you shouldn't check out. But yeah. One of the things you should is um, there are some wonderful um, maps of Amiga levels. Um, I don't know if you remember the old... I remember Nintendo Power doing this a lot, and I'm sure that the other magazines did too once games, especially platformers, got to be to a certain size. You got these huge maps, you know, these fold-out maps and magazines. And um, originally they would do it just by taking screen captures of, you know, each screen, and you'd actually see the lines. But these are really well done. This guy has used a, a map ripping tool called Map Tapper. And uh, he's done some work on his own to put them all together. And uh, there's actually, um, you know, enemies and everything like that. So it looks like a, you know, a living, breathing thing, not just a static map. Yeah, it was that I, I was stunned at how awesome the Adams family one, for example, is just tremendous. Yeah. Uh, and uh, some of these, I would like to have the huge printout just to hang up so I can see what the heck I'm doing in the level. Right. I really need one of everything. <laughs> so get busy, level makers. <laughs> So uh, that is the other. That's the other bit of news. But uh, aside from that, I didn't have anything else going on in the world of Amiga news. Is there anything you found? Aaron? I guess we should mention if you don't watch our videos, uh, we've successfully we, we we've successfully fired Frankenstein up. <laughs> we now have uh, thanks to the combination of the wacky Polish power supply converter and the uh, even wackier uh, Far Eastern. VGA converter arcade board that we've got for the video. We we have finally uh, got Boats 500 up and running. And so now that we've gotten this thing where we can use it, uh, we're going to start messing around with the data, uh, the ex the expansion thing we've got for it. We're going to try to put a hard drive or a hard card in this thing. Probably more wacky adventures. I figure we can't screw it up anymore, Boat, so right. what the hell? We're going to trick this thing out like, <laughs> like nothing else. It's going to be the most awesome, disgusting, <laughs> ugly, broken piece of crap ever. Do you remember the, the Volkswagen commercial for the, the, the GTI? They had the, the first, the pin, you got your 97 whatever, and then they dropped it. <laughs> We've got the 97 whatever, you know. This is, <laughs> yeah. it's, um, been, it's been fun uh, to, uh, to uh, get, it, get it up and running. And speaking of which, if you know, I don't know, we, we don't mention this very much, but we actually make videos. Boat makes tons of them, and occasionally I even show up in them. So you should head over to YouTube sometime and check out our our uh, channels. We've got um, we've got tons of stuff that we don't cover on the show, all kinds of games. Mm -hmm. What do we do this week? We did, uh, uh, what was it, Street Fighter? Street Fighter 2 videos coming up quick. Uh, we've done, I've done several videos just by myself. Yeah, on, uh, Do Run Run was, a, was mm -hmm. I thought one I thought was interesting. Nick uh, Faldo's Championship Golf. <laughs> Graham Gooch, who championship cricket. Who doesn't want to see this? <laughs> Lots of good stuff. But, I mean, uh, if you haven't checked out our videos, we're uh, dipping our toe, a foray into the video world. Yeah, and, and there's there's only more to come. I'm uh, investing heavily. Thank you, Kickstarter backers. Uh, in some fancier... We've got a Kickstarter? Yeah. <laughs> Where did that not, come from? Kickstarter. What do we do? Patreon? Thank you, Patreon backers. <laughs> Boat's, uh, <laughs> Boat's dipping his pool and some other stuff. <laughs> anyway, I, I've been investing heavily in some um, some studio equipment so we can start really kicking things into the next gear as far as our video production goes. So uh, be on the lookout for some, some, really, uh, some really cool 
videos. And by cool, I mean probably not very cool at all. You need to invest in some sort of video equipment that makes me young and attractive. <laughs> when you get that, I am on board. Um, one video I am going to make this week, uh, we've had uh, some several people ask about the video quality coming through that, that board. And uh, I'm going to shoot some video of the Amiga 500 running uh, Super Outrun. It's beautiful. Really? I have no idea why people continue to buy these expensive, you know, in-division boxes and, you know, in flicker fixers. Because this thing does everything those do, as far as I can tell, and it costs $16. Of course, if you looked at it, that might be one reason. This might scare people off when they see this bare board That's with true. a rat's nest of cables <laughs> growing out of it. That's true. If you want a neat solution, this might not be for don't you. Don't make me do your soldering either. <laughs> and don't use my soldering iron. Yeah, no kidding. It's like It was like soldering with a crayon, folks. <laughs> Um, so anyway, we've got that stuff coming up. Um, if you just subscribe to the podcast and never go on our blog, uh, we have a, uh, I think we mentioned this in the previous podcast, but I just wanted to reiterate that, uh, we have on staff a, uh, a writer of, uh, serious skill. Uh, of renown. Yeah. He's Dream, a machine. Dreamcatcher has been churning out articles left and right, and they are fantastic. They're gold. Long form, short form, anything. He's he's just doing everything. He did one. Uh, of course, he's reviewed several of the games that we've covered on the podcast, but he also covered some of the games that have, you know, really... Um, huge huds you know that take up <laughs> half the screen that was a great article because I, I, I that's often been a pain it does this huge it's like half the screen taken up by the name of the game <laughs> right you know and uh and he's hilarious <laughs> uh and so you definitely check out the blog amigospodcast.com to uh to, to to read all of dreamcatch's latest articles and of course uh everything that we do video wise i post up there too um so yeah that's what's going on in our world the we, amigos world we had more news than we thought yeah um, but let's move on to the game. So this is Body Blows. Body Blows. Would you say it's the most... <laughs> that name. Let's start right there. You know, of all the names you can come up with, I mean, I'd Body Blows is a thing, but never make a game with the word blows in it. That's, that was a, that was a big a mistake. Fire, yeah. um, would you say it's the most famous uh, Amiga-exclusive fighting game in the Street Fighter II mold? Oh, Yeah. How many could you possibly name? I only I know, know of a couple, and this is yes, uh, yes, but <laughs> okay. way, to, way to lead, way to lead the topic. So uh, it was released in 1993 by Team 17. Uh, I think it's fair to say that this is Team 17. This is not their most famous release. It's it's among though. I mean, again, we've covered Team 17 stuff in the past. They did Worms, Alien Breed, uh, F17, Project X, Quack. And they did, of course, Super Frog, which we covered. That's probably where we picked it up. And Super Stardust. They've done a lot of good games. Body Blows was a successful game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can usually judge success by how easy it is to find on eBay. <laughs> and these they're, these things are coming out of the woodwork. So <laughs> so uh, 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 I would say this was a pretty popular game for them, plus the fact that they came back with a sequel so quickly after releasing the first one. So I'd say it sold pretty well. Uh, it was uh, it was actually you know even though it's it's graphically impressive it was compatible with all the Amigas uh, I think there was a separate AGA version that was released yeah it was a little bit better looking more on that later I found something amusing about that but yes they they had separate AGA releases for uh, Body Blows Body Blows uh, Galactic and we're going to sort of cover the entire trilogy and Ultimate Body Blows was a CD32 exclusive so I really didn't 
haven't released on the older media. Now, the the game itself is probably the least interesting thing about <laughs> the game. Um, if you've played any one-on-one fighting game, uh, especially released after, you know, 1991 or whenever Street Fighter 2 came out, you've played Body Blows. Yes. Uh, you've got special moves. You've got a cast of characters from all around the world. Uh, you've got different stages that they fight in. Um, there's special moves. Uh, you have to do certain joystick combinations to unleash them. Um, so that's 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 the game in itself. Now, I only played the original Body Blows. Aaron played uh, Galactic <coughs> and Ultimate. Oh yeah. But uh, in the original version, you basically have you know the one player mode. You've got the two player mode, and then you've got a tournament. And in the tournament, you can play against you know two players basically play against all the other characters in kind of a, a tournament bracket sort of thing. Um, so in the original Body Blows, there are 11 characters. And, um, and uh, what do you think about this cast of characters? Are they diverse? Well, they're, they're um, a lot of homages, if you will, to uh, Street Fighter in this game, Newsflash. You know, I remember when this came out, I have an Amiga, and we desperately wanted a fighting game. You know, it's one of those things. I really wanted one for the for at home. And of course, I was on the, the body blows as soon as as soon as I could get hold of it. Um, it's got a uh, it's got sort of a, a Ken and Ryu thing going. You've got Nick and Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the, a kind of a boxer junior. Um, you've got a guy. My personal favorite of the, of that particular game was Low Ray, which was the Buddhist monk. <laughs> Uh, you had then you had Cossack, who was your who was your Russian, right? You got to have one of those. Doug, who was his pro wrestler, he looked he was almost like a ball. He was he was bald. He was kind of <laughs> fat. You had uh, Maria, which <laughs> an aerobic dancer from Barcelona. <laughs> that sounds like a pickup line or something. Then you got a, another guy, really like Mike the Wall Street guy. Now that's a pretty original character. That's true. He had a briefcase and a suit and tie. Then the unoriginal character, Ninja. <laughs> they didn't even name him. No, his just name ninja. is the Ninja. <laughs> and I like the fact that after he wins, he just picks his sword up in the edge and goes Ninja. As real ninjas often. That's did. all you gotta say. <laughs> That's all you gotta say, ninja man. Ninjas were a big deal, although they were at that point they, yeah, were, they were waning a little bit. Yit you, not a great name. Uh, this he was a guy from China, and uh, then you had the uh, the basically the end guy who was Max, and then Max was also you find out is a robot. Mm. He was a t- you know you've heard of the T two right? The right. T- he was a T seventeen. Oh, think about it, Team seventeen. You get interesting. it? Interesting. Yeah, that's very very clever. Um, my, like I said, my personal favorite was the was the kung fu guy. Um, although again, Mike is pretty cool, and Ninja is actually a pretty good character. Uh, he's. I wonder about the in, the in this version of the game the the uh, balance. Mm-hmm. I think Ninja's, for example, is tough to beat. Well, he's got a teleport and he can turn invisible. Oh, by the way, his so. invisibility power is cool looking. Mm-hmm. You know, they do a good job with it. The graphics in this, by the way, are really neat. Uh, they've got a. Uh, They've got a bunch of stages. They've got a building site. Uh, they've got inside of a building a ninja cave. Each guy's got a Russian lab, a Shaolin <laughs> temple. Crap you would expect from these guys. Um, and the the music's eh, it's pretty good. It's not like anything to write home about. I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's not a Street Fighter's quality. You know, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, it was a fun game. Uh, it was. Uh, 
early on, so they didn't have a ton of fighters in it. But that's a pretty good amount of playable guys. Mm-hmm. Again, I didn't. I liked of of the three games. This one was pretty solid, uh, you know. But you know, when you've got these fighting games, and anyone that knows anything about fighting games, and I'm a big Street Fighter fan. Boat, I think you've played it. Played, played a few rounds again. of it. Yeah. Um, what you do is you come up with your initial game. Right, and then you just add extra guys to it. There's your new game, mm-hmm. and and body blows was not to be denied, <laughs> and and they went <laughs> they went that same route. Now the original body blows, uh, it played on pretty much everything. Uh, you had to have a meg of RAM, and it could use any extra memory it ha- that you had to. Now, but the one thing you did have to do was swap discs a lot, uh, and I I'm very happy to have the non-disc version, so I don't have to do that because that that's one thing I remember. A lot of these games, they really the disc swapping was brutal, man. It was brutal, and this is another one. And we just played Street Fighter Two, like it's on the video feed, and I remember that's another one that was just you had to swap discs for everything. And Mortal Kombat was the same way. Fatality coming up, swap a disc. That's how you know you got the fatality. You had to swap the disc in Unbelievable. for Unbelievable, you know. But what do you? That's all they had. Mm-hmm. The problem I had is I always had two drives, but nothing ever supported that second drive hardly. So you could have ten drives, but it didn't matter. You were still swapping out of that same drive. You used to drive me nuts. Um, did you uh, did you see how this rated with the reviewers? Oh, they, just like so many of the games that we review, they 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 live in an Amiga bubble. So of course, this was the best <laughs> Amiga fighting game of all time. So it was the best <laughs> fighting game of all time. You know, <laughs> one just leads to the other. Um, and so you know, this reviewed in the in the high you know the mid to high nineties. There were some reviews that were in the in the the high eighties, but everything was very positive. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I found almost every review was at least the lowest one. I saw one of the magazines get like a 74, but pretty much everything else, 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. To be fair, in its era, I thought this was a a pretty good game. I mean, you've got, you've got a fighting game with one button. Right. So yeah, you that's, have... That's what I think. I think that <coughs> they were limited by the one button thing. Yeah. If, if this game would have had full controller support if you could have somehow plugged you know a super nintendo controller into your amiga and had six buttons yeah this would have been just as good yeah i i, I agree and i mean it would have been there are so many like if you take a, an, your average neo geo fighting game mm-hmm. this would have been on the low end but probably would have fit pretty much in right yeah. and neo geo is substantially more powerful right so. uh the one button kills it for me mm-hmm. uh it's just Difficult to, I would think I could get something down every time, and it just—it's really hard to get those moves off just the one button because so much of it depends on the placement of the joystick. Um, let's move on to Body Blows Galactic. This was a sequel. Now they—they they released an enhanced Body Blows uh, that was—I mean, it was right after the original. Then, then the next one they came out with was Body Blows Galactic. Uh, two discs. Uh, this thing came out around Christmas of '93, right? Uh, early '94. Uh, this thing, I, the first thing I found out about this, I was just having to be seeing what it was, co- what it cost when it was released. I don't usually do this, but this thing released at 27 pounds. The AGA version was 30 pounds. Hmm. So you were paying, you were paying three extra pounds for the AGA version of this game. So that reminds me of renting a movie in high def now. You right. know, there's like those two prices. It's always irritates me. It's like, really, is it that much of a different price? But I, it's, you know, that's the way it is. Um, this game was renowned for being incredibly easy to beat. Often you could beat it right out of the gate. Uh, it just uh, uh, it, it, it for whatever. This thing was even more unbalanced, I think, than the first one. There are characters in this one that are really unbalanced. 
Um, the guy, really, most of the cast cast of guys is new. Dan and Junior from the first one come back. And FYI, those the Dan is based on the uh, one of the programmers, Danny Burke, and Junior is based on a guy named, or the other programmer named Cedric McMillan Jr. So in case you were wondering, that's where they got the name. So that's because so hey, it's your game. You can name what you want, I guess. Uh, the gimmick in this one is you're representing Earth in a big tournament. Uh, this one had a bunch of wacky fighters. This is, I will give them credit for going outside the, this is nothing like Street Fighter in terms of these guys. It's more like Killer Instinct or something. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Laser and Techno. You've got Inferno and Wara. Then you've got my two personal favorite, Dino. These names, by the way, are not real original. <laughs> Dino, guess what he is, Bode? I don't know. A dinosaur. Oh, my gosh. And guess what dragon is? <laughs> now, is it the dragon from Lionheart? No, it's, the, awesome. it's not. It's the dragon from this. Um, and, by the way, those two characters are particularly cheap. Uh, and then you've got the last two characters, Phantom and Puppet. I like Puppet. Puppet uh, sounds cool. He's pretty good. Uh, uh, Phantom is wacky. Again, this is another one. Uh, it weird. This has a ton of moves. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, and each there, each one of these, there are different planets that each sent two guys. So each one of these, there are two guys from each planet. There's one planet. It's like mostly. It's like Amazon. So there's chicks. They said chick, you know. And then there's the prehistoric planets. I don't. And how how these guys could send a representative to this? I don't know if they're sending it, but I guess they have enough <laughs> intelligence to send. Or maybe they were abducted. I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, there's a lot of you know I'm looking over the 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 uh, lists of moves. The funny thing is I tried like gangbusters to find moves lists for this thing. Good, there's very little in terms of how you do the moves. I found lists of what they do, you know. And and the funny thing is ultimate, and I'll get to it in a minute. I couldn't find I couldn't even find a manual online for that. And I looked, I couldn't find anything. There's nothing on Lemon. There's nothing anywhere. So I don't know what the deal with was with that. I guess because I don't know if it just shipped with a jewel case and maybe it doesn't have a manual. That's what I was thinking because if you think about, you know, a lot of those kind of, especially later release games, if you look on eBay, they're shipped with very flimsy packaging. Yeah, well, this these need manuals, a moves list. And there's documentation on them, but they, didn't, they don't have the moves. Mm. They don't have the moves listed. Um, so, anyway, but I mean, these guys will do like, I'm just taking a guy, uh, just in one of these guys as an example, as special moves. Here's a guy that does four things, you know, and that's hard to believe with one button you're getting all this stuff out of it. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned about the move list, but I recall buying, um, buying like Killer Instinct on the Super Nintendo, and I don't think the instruction manual came with the move list. I think it was just something you had to figure it out yourself. Well, I guess that you're right, and I guess this their idea was, well, it'll just get out or whatever. Mm-hmm. It didn't get out. <laughs> I mean, there's not a game fact. There's not Jack Squad. Maybe that just goes to show the relative popularity of yeah. Ultimate. Now, this was a pretty popular game uh, as well. Uh, it, it, you know, it introduced a few new things. Basically, it's the same basic bear. And so, flash forward to this is the true money grab of the three. Uh, CD32 is out there. You need games for it. Let's release Ultimate Body Blow. Sure, just took all the guys put them in one big game, right? They even use the same samples from the old game. You know, it's mostly, it's basically all the guys in a game. I don't think there's even an overarching, when I played it, there was no overarching story. There was no, why are we here? It's like, hey, you want to have Junior fight a dinosaur? What the hell? Let's <laughs> it's do tournament it. tournament time. Let's yeah. go. Um, they, this had some, they did do some things under the hood to make this a little bit better. Uh, 
to the naked eye, there's very little. Uh, better AI. The the it was it's all more difficult than and than the, than the uh, previous couple. Um, the uh, they added a tag team mode. Uh, the tag team mode is basically like you pick two guys. Your buddy picks two guys, and when you fight them, when the first one dies, you fight the next one. You so can, it's kind of like a Marvel versus. Well, except you don't tag in in the middle of the match. Mm-hmm. It's more like King of Fighters. Okay. If you played that. Um, they added Turbo. Turbo bad. Turbo no good. Mm. Uh, I could not play it with even Turbo set at one. I've heard it Turbo two. It's un, you cannot win. Uh, I turned Turbo off, but it's there. They put this mercy thing in where if you're getting smashed. Your guy can like take a little break, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, gain, you know, get himself together. I guess that helps. How's you know? the net code? How's the what now? The net code. What's the net code? Well, you know, when you're playing online, you know. Oh no yeah. Online playing this. Game. Oh no, no, there's not. I'm sorry, you blew my mind for a second there, boat. Um, this thing, uh, re- this thing released in uh, right around Aprilish of '94. Twenty-three pounds. Uh, again, it was only on the CD32. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I could tell, there was no box version of this. It was just a jewel case version. Um, this, these released also on the PC. I should mention that. And, and um, the PC version has VGA. The, and this version has the AGA. And you're getting 256 color backgrounds. Very sharp. Pretty much the same backgrounds. You know, again, there was very little change on this. They just stuck it out there. Again, this didn't have a CD, uh, didn't have a, a, a floppy disk release. But then again, if you had the first two games on floppy, you really didn't need this one because you had pretty much had the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it had some CD sound. I didn't have this that on the version I played since it was the it was the hard drive load. I didn't have the sound, so I can't comment on the music on it. The sound effects exactly the same as they were. The one thing this did add was uh, since it's a CD32 title, it had gamepad support, and you could use all those buttons. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get to try it with the gamepad, but I'm going to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to break out the CD32 and give it a whirl. The uh, uh, I've played it on there before with this with the, all the game buttons, and it does help. Uh, the uh, it has to obviously, right. <laughs> it has to. Um, this one re- reviewed pretty well. The uh, again upper 80s for the most part. Uh, the uh, you know again they were and everyone. I looked at these reviews, and they were all like, wow, this is a lot like Street Fighter as well. And everyone knew this was a money grab. They almost all mentioned it to the article. Like, this is a money grab. <laughs> but I don't blame them. You know, you might as well put it out. Everyone, all the other fighting games were doing yeah. it. Uh, this was pretty much their last foray into the fighting world. Of course, this is on the C32, and then psh, it was all gone. And mm-hmm. I think they realized, okay, we're, this is pretty much, we've milked this series to death. Right. Um, but... Uh, that's pretty much the long and short of it, man. They, they, the, the, the third one plays just about like the, uh, the first two, exact, almost exactly like the first two. Um, I looked these up on eBay, as I'm wanting to do, and uh, they are going for around twenty bucks. There were none in the United States as of when I checked, but they had had some recently that sold pretty cheap. Uh, the, the one that's rare seems to be Galactic. Uh, I didn't see that one as much. Uh, there were plenty of people selling the CD32 uh, Ultimate. Again, you're going to pay, if you're in the UK or over in Europe, you're in business. You shouldn't have any trouble. Uh, over here, you're going to probably have to import. Uh, but uh, there were plenty. There were plenty There were plenty of body blows. There were plenty of Ultimate body blows. So if you're looking to get to pick this up, 
Uh, you can get a box from probably, I'd say, you know, no more than $30, pound, $30 US. So That's good. I mean, it's funny because the the Amiga was, it's kind of, even though it's an American system, um, it kind of lived within its own bubble, like we talked about before. So there were all these games within these specific genres that only had their home in Amiga. It's like it's almost like the Spectrum or something like that, except a more advanced version, where you had this whole other world of console things that were going on concurrently at the same time that affected the Amiga, but they're just it w wasn't just ports, you know, it was actual real efforts to replicate the console experience. So from an abstract perspective, I think it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, would I rather spend the rest of my life playing Body Blows instead of Street Fighter 2? No. But... Um, you may change your mind when you played on the Amiga, <laughs> on the other hand. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, we did try this out, you know, and I play most of my, uh, you know, up until this week, I played all my Amiga games uh, on the, uh, through uh, WinUAE, and for whatever reason, uh, this game emulates very, very quickly. Um, it, Probably a setting. Of yeah, I'm sure that I've, I've got a setting messed up somewhere. But um, and so, but I still enjoyed it. Um, but when I watched some YouTube videos of it playing on it, you know, accurately emulated systems, uh, it looked to be a much deeper game and not as much just button mashy sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's I will say it's it's standard fighter. I mean, again, if you played a lot of Neo Geo fighters or whatnot, this is somewhere in the you know, Fatal Fury you know, somewhere in that area, mm -hmm. you know, older fighting game, generic one. It's better than, like, the. For, it's a lot better than, say, that Jaguar fighting game we played. Oh, that, that's you know, unplayable. You yeah. know, so that, we, me and Bo have dipped our toe in the pool on the Jag a few times. And, you know, we've, I mean, there are plenty of bad fighting games. This is, I would say, a generic fighting game. Mm -hmm. It just happened to be on the Amiga where they don't have anything else. Right. You know, so. But I, I give it a, you know, a marginal thumbs up. Uh, particularly the third one, if you've got the CD32 with the controller. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's the one you should go after. Absolutely. Uh, we've got a special interview coming up at the end of the podcast where we talked to Jeff from Vintage Volts about some Amiga 3D design programs, uh, Turbo Silver and Imagine. So if you were part of that scene back in the day and uh, want to relive some of your memories of doing some uh, early computer graphics, then check out that interview. It's uh, he's a He's a neat guy, and he's got a lot of stuff going on over at Vintage Volts. Yeah, he's a real interesting cat. He's got his hand in all kinds of different pies. He's 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 got uh, podcasts galore. He's got a, a great web page, and he's a real interesting guy who really knows his stuff. So if you're into that old 3D rendering stuff, uh, give it a listen. I think you'd enjoy it. And we'd like to thank our sponsors: uh, Chris Folds, Zach Zimmerman, Adam Bradley, Will Williams, Daniel Bingston, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Brent Dowdy, and Chad Halstead. Uh, if you'd like to support the Amigos podcast, check out our Patreon page at Amigos. Nope, at patreon.com slash amigos podcast. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Next week, Aaron, we are going to tackle a vertical shoot 'em up. That's great, Boat. What's it called? <laughs> it's called, Aaron, <laughs> Banshee. Cool. I've heard of that, but I've never played it. So this is, uh, is O'Brien's Retro and Vintage uh, recommended this to us. Uh, it's supposed to be a real fun game. It's got two-player co-op, so I know we always enjoy those, or two-player uh, fight to the death. I don't know what what if it, if there's friendly fire in this involved or not. Is it is, is it a shoot 'em up, a shmup, or a sub? <laughs> Find out next week as we cover it. <laughs> what, what a cliffhanger! <laughs> Until next time, guys. Adios. Adios.
All right, we've got uh, a special guest here uh, with the Amigos today. Uh, we're joined by Jeff from Vintage Volts. Uh, and uh, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your site, Vintage Volts, and all your web platforms? Okay. Well, Vintage Volts is kind of an outlet of things that I like, that, that I enjoy. Uh, I've always been into electronics uh, ever since I was a kid. And, you know, back then, you only had so much money to buy the stuff that you like. So as time went on and, and, and places like eBay started coming out and you know, the Internet, I found that I could afford the stuff that I couldn't afford back when I was younger. So I grew into a fonder appreci appreciate, yeah, appreciation um, of vintage electronics as opposed to, you know, modern electronics. I love modern electronics, too, but, I, you know, it's easy to take them for granted. But the vintage ones, the stuff that I couldn't afford when I was younger – um, old TVs, old radios, and some of the styles that you would find the vintage electronics and even even the older tube-based radios. So every era has a has a certain amount of art to it, uh, and so I grew into to that. And my wife likes antiques, so it kind of kind of merges together a little bit. And uh, other things like computing, um, LED-based video games or handheld video games from the uh, '80s, like the the Mattel handheld games. Um, all that stuff that I always wanted or the, my friends on the block had, but I never could have. I've collected them. I like to write about them and um, just learn more about them. And so it's, it's more of a learning thing for me, but at the same time, I try to share what I learn. Awesome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your history with the Amiga? Oh, wow. Uh, how many hours do you have? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was I was a big Commodore user. Uh, my first computer was a Commodore VIC-20 that I got in October of 81. And then from there, I went to the 64, to the 128. And then um, when I got out of the service in, in the late 80s, I uh, got my final tax return from my you know military income stuff. And I bought an Amiga 500. And I didn't know anybody else, anybody else who had one. So eventually I got into, um, I found a local users group and I learned what more that this can do after I was blown away by, I see, I bought the Amiga and I might, the first game I bought for it was Hybris by Discovery Software. That was the first game we ever reviewed on here, actually. <laughs> you know, my, my, uh, pod feed or podcatcher thing doesn't go all the way back to number one. I might have to change some settings, but I, I, I think I go back as far as your number nine. Oh, so. Hmm. I got to go back and listen to the uh, the first eight, and and I just I was blown away by what it did. So I learned more about it, and I found the local users group, which I was glad there was one. I lived in I, I lived in York, Pennsylvania, and it's not a big area for computing at all, but there were local groups that popped up, and there was one major one that I eventually joined, and then I learned about 3D graphics and uh, D paint you know, drawing paint programs, really unlocking the potential of the Amiga computer. In fact, I think you, your podcast opens up with like um, the, the quote, the, the Amiga, the first computer that gives you a creative edge. Well, that's what the Amiga was for me, as opposed to say gaming. I love the games, but for me, it was, it was to give me that creative edge. And I just kind of rolled right into uh, paint programs, 3d graphics, doing animations, just completely being creative with it well that's a that's a great lead-in to uh what you're going to be talking to us about today uh we're going to be talking about uh turbo silver and uh imagine first is that what it's called well imagine it's just imagine. imagine okay and actually turbo silver came first actually well actually silver 
came first. Then Turbo Silver came out. They've improved the algorithms, and I think then the original Silver, I don't think, supported floating point processors. It only worked off the 68,000. And Turbo Silver um, improved upon that. They just made things faster, and it supported the use of floating points so you can get your rendering done a lot faster. Back then, waiting for a single 320 by 200 ham-based uh, image uh, rendered. If you only have like one item, the the the, the quintessential glass ball on a checkerboard field. I'm sure we've all seen that. <laughs> yes, um, quite a popular one. It was a popular yeah. one. That's right. Uh, so much so they made that juggler animation uh, out of it. Um, that that took probably 30 to 45 minutes if you didn't try to do the glass too much, you know, try to do the refraction of the glass too much. And that's how I got started. Just I wanted to lay primitive objects out in a virtual environment, try to tweak them, change them into something other than the basic block cube, uh, the, the cone, the ball, the torus. You know, every one of these has like that donut-shaped torus in it. I don't know what you can turn that into except a donut. Um, but I just learned that, okay, I can set these things here. I can create lighting. Uh, I can create a scene and render it, you know, <laughs> half hour, hour later, or depending on how complex it is, maybe two or three hours later, uh, I have a single image. And it was neat, you know. Nothing now, did that back then now, on, on the cheap. This was something that you just did you know, just as a hobby, right? It wasn't part of your job. It was just something that you, no, you wanted to learn how to do, and you did it. I actually have a degree in electronics. I just don't use it much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was a hobby. I just loved creating things, and, and the low cost of the Amiga allowed me to do that. And it, I kind of partnered with uh, one of the people in the group, and we were doing things like – we did make a few bucks off of it. Uh, both he and I got interested in – you know, we, we worked with the Turbo Silver, then we got into Imagine. I'll get into that in a bit. But with Turbo Silver, it, it's a good start. It lets you lay out primitives in an environment and render them. And if you're into it much, you can you can start pulling the vertices of these 3D objects to stretch them and you know conform them into another shape and um, add some complexity to it to try to build uh, 3D models. And we eventually went into... Uh, the guy's name is Bill, and he he and I went into um, a few places locally, like uh, local cable television. Uh, they, they, every cable company, I think, had like a local broadcasting channel. Right. Um, and we went into them, and we were working with Imagine, which is basically Turbo Silver, but with all the good stuff tied to it. And I'll get into some of the details on that uh, a little bit later, but... We went and say, hey, um, kind of negotiated to do their logo in 3D. So they gave an approval for some work, and we we redesigned their flat logo into a 3D logo, gave it a little bit of animation, just a five-second clip, just enough to give it some depth and movement, and we sold that for a few hundred bucks. Thought, oh, this works out good. Plus, he worked in the building industry, so... Uh, building exotic homes, or not exotic homes, but just expensive homes. So when he went to work for one company, he uh, was able to talk them into letting us do building modeling, where we would design the house off the architectural plans before it was built and build it from scratch virtually 
and then we put brick facing on the walls and you know different uh, uh, textures and you know tiles of textures like for floors and stuff and designing the windows all all by scratch it was it was still kind of a new thing to do on a personal computer at the time i mean these days you could buy a program that'll just snap it up instantly but back then it took a little bit of effort and work and then we did a couple architectural previews for multi-million dollar homes i didn't get very far but hey it was a few bucks that's a good oh. angle actually i never thought <laughs> i would have never thought of that the tv thing's a good angle too I, that's a great way to use your hobby to make a few a few bucks now and again yeah, it was it was fun stuff, and it's just something I learned and I remembered over time. Now, I put the Amiga on hold for a while, like the mid '90s, because I had to do more work with IBM PC stuff because I got into PC repair and eventually uh, PC programming. But um, I still have my old Amiga stuff, and uh, I run it. It was on the Amiga 500. I had an external hard drive. I have it on an Amiga 2000 now, since I can. It's basically the same thing. I can now put everything internally into the box, and I still have. Everything I had from back then. In fact, I'm still archiving some of my original discs before they start wearing out. Mm. Now, now, when you when you bought that 500, the the first one, uh, did you buy that with this sort of thing in mind? Uh, no. How did, how did you even know, did you do? Why did you buy an Amiga? I guess it's a, <laughs> a question I'd like to hear because just to buy one out of the blue. I mean, I was introduced to it. It made sense. I was like, look at this. This looks great. I'll pick one up. But uh, did you know someone that had one, or what's the story? Absolutely not. I, I just had the compute magazines that I was uh, getting with my uh, Commodore 128 at the time. I just wanted to go to the next level, and I knew of the Amiga for quite a while. I bought it at a place called, well, let's see, they're called GameStop now, but it was called Games and Gadgets a long mm. time ago. It was a sister company to Electronics Boutique. Mm. I went into to the store with my checkbook because I really didn't have, you know, you didn't have debit cards back then. This was the late 80s. Mm -hmm. And I went into there with, with my checkbook. I just had my uh, um, my tax return deposited, and I had to order an Amiga 500. They didn't have any in stock, and that was the only place I knew to get it. They had the demo, but I ordered it, and they had to mail it to me. About two weeks later, <laughs> I finally received it. It came to the front door. And at the time, it's like, oh, I can use my old monitor with it. And I found out later that there's something different between a RGB monitor for a Commodore 128 and an RGB monitor for an Amiga 500, mm -hmm. the analog-digital difference. But lucky for me, it came with an A520. That was enough to get me started. We, 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 we know those we know those struggles well. I don't know if you, you saw our most recent video, but uh, we recently resurrected a 500 using a Whamadyne arcade board uh, that downsamples the, the scan the scan rate uh, so you can actually plug it into a VGA monitor. So see I had to get something like that for my 2000, but I still have I have a 10 4s monitor that I've acquired over the years and I still have the original Amiga checkmark monitor that I bought. Uh, I bought that in like 91. I bought it used from somebody, and it's still going strong. Yeah, they're yeah. tough monitors. They made good monitors back then for sure. Yeah, my my, my uh, 1084 lasted for years and years and years and just blew up one day, and so I'm I'm trying to fix it right now, actually. So, But there was it's been a good monitor. It's been a good television, too, frankly. Yeah, I use, that's how I use mine a lot. It was just VCR. I had the Amiga 500, which at one time I gutted it and put it into an IBM AT case. 
Why, 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 why did you do that? Why not? Oh, well, because I had the external hard drive. Right. I wanted to put everything into a single case. I see. And it worked. And then I can just set the uh, the 1084. Actually, I put the VCR with the tuner on top of that, then the 1084 on top of that. So uh, when you live in a small apartment like I did at the time, uh, that kind of consolidates everything. Yeah. Uh, the keyboard was just the keyboard with the five or the, the eight wires coming out of it. It was just an open keyboard. No, no case <laughs> that was it. my next question. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned I, one question that I, I have is, when you were, you know, putting these projects together for, say, the cable TV station or whatever, what were you delivering your final product on? Was it on a disc or was it on a VHS tape? No, we would uh, actually take an Amiga to the location. They would record it. Oh. They would record it onto their one-inch tapes. How now, does that work exactly? Well, the A520 doesn't have exactly a clean right. that was... CSE signal. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was So they wondering. had to process that. And then... I think we actually used that after I tried to use an Amy Gen Genlock. I had one of those because mm -hmm. uh, it was neat to be able to put graphics over top of your home videos. Mm -hmm. uh, the Amy Gen is even worse. I mean, if you look at the um, the, the, the pattern, uh, the vector scope pattern of, of an Amy Gen, it's all over the place. They're, they're supposed to be straight lines that look like a six six pointed uh, flower, but it's all curved and and and. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really look all that good. I mean, it looks fine on a monitor, but when you go to record it, it, it kind of screws up the inputs of the recorder. It doesn't know what to lock onto, so they had to pre-process it. They get, they got a good thing out, and then when we, then I realized I had the A520 because I put it away ever since I got my 1084 monitor. Uh, they were able to do more with that. Okay. It was a lot cleaner. So that's what we did. We we brought an Amiga on site and recorded it straight off of there. What a different world, huh? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. And, you know, these days all i got to do is fire up an emulator and, you know, I can just record it to an AVI file, I guess. Now, have you tried running, say, TurboSilver on an emulator? Yes, actually, I do have it running right now. Is it, I mean, of course, the rendering time, does it just render instantly? I mean... Well, I have it set. I have it... Um, what I did is I was able to copy using uh, Amiga Forever. Um, I was able to copy the contents of my Amiga hard drive to uh, PC hard drive. Mm -hmm. So I run it. I'm basically running everything I had before in emulation if I choose to. Um, I just put in the you know, virtual disk for Turbo Silver Pro, and I load it up. I don't change the speed of the Amiga. I guess I could accelerate the CPU, but I did not. Mm -hmm. But if I keep it as a standard 68,000 with the ECS... Uh, chipset, it runs like I remembered it. It, you know, it could take, you know, just a single ball without any kind of refraction or reflection it might take about 10 to 15 minutes to render. Okay. Uh, I was just curious if you, uh, how much the, the process, now if you, you know, if you were to, to bump it up at least to, you know, the processor on the, the 4000, you know, or something like that, would the, uh, the rendering time, did it really increase by leaps and bounds between, you know, first generation Amiga, you know? You know, I, I didn't try that. Uh, believe it or not, I, I was just, uh, most of my stuff I've done, I, I played with Silver, Turbo Silver, for about three or four months before I got Imagine. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I kind of left the Turbo Silver aside. But I knew it was an important step to Imagine because Imagine developed from Turbo Silver. Um, Turbo Silver goes in, you have basically animation cells, and you go in and edit a cell by uh, putting in your objects and setting everything within your 3D environment, and that's the one cell. 
if you want animation, you got to copy that to another cell and make manual changes to everything. Um, the Imagine fixed that. Imagine added capabilities for automatic uh, animation. Same concept, you have cells, but now you have uh, object editors. Then you can set objects on a stage in the stage editor. And then you can, um, what is it? Uh, I don't have it running, so I forgot some of the menus. But then there's another editor that lets you um, design and develop the animation characteristics and the interactivity between items. And then there's, of course, uh, one last one that lets you render uh, the whole thing and create animations or stills. So they've really improved upon it. And that's what I did a lot of the work. And it, it wasn't imagined before. Later on, I there was other programs that I used too, like Sculpt Animate 4D and uh, Real 3D. Now, the, imagine if it got ported over to the PC. Yes, uh, it did. Right. Imagine 4.0. Now, and, and did you use it over there as well? Did you follow it over? And I, how... I played with it, but uh -huh. I couldn't get my, my files over to the PC at the time. Yeah. That was back in like the early 90s. Right. Um. And I would I would have used it if I could get my stuff moved over, but mm -hmm. even then it seemed like the Amiga was the more natural use for it because what am I going to do with the PC output I can't put onto a VCR? Or, yeah, yeah, you're right. Tape. It's it was a much different again it was a much different world back then, where <laughs> the Amiga had was a much easier dump than the PC would have been. Absolutely, that's because the Amiga was designed with NTSC in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it worked out really well, and that's what made it so easy without putting a whole lot of money into something. You didn't have to buy. Thirty, forty thousand dollar workstations, or Chirons, or whatever um, the industry used. Um, you just had this Amiga and a will to do something. Now, do you have? Uh, is there any way? Do you have any of your work up? I don't know on YouTube or or anything like that. Where you know, when we put this episode up on the blog, uh, can I point towards any any uh, of your old work that you've uploaded online somewhere? I can get you something. As I said, I've been uh, slowly restoring. Uh, stuff that I had backed up on floppy disk, and that's where a lot of my original projects are stored. I do have some on um, on my hard drive, and I can render something. Um, if I were to pick and choose, I'd have to go through see which ones were a little more cool than the others. Mm -hmm. um, there's one other project I did, and it never really went anywhere, but I had fun doing it. There was a back in the early '90s. There was a local production. Something called KTV. It st stood for Kids TV, but it was for the local uh, cable company, just a, a regular uh, daily show type thing. And they wanted a series of bumper videos, you know, for between segments. And uh, Bill and I worked on creating a bunch of those, and we got quite a few to get. Now we didn't do this in Imagine. We did this in Real 3D because it had better animation capabilities. Mm -hmm. but, you, know, you grow through this stuff. Um, and I do have, I did find those projects. I just have to render them, and I lost track of some of the um, the texture files. So I'm still assembling everything together that I need to be able to re-render them. Yeah, I and can't find them. stuff that I did last week in After Effects to recomposite. And like you know, <laughs> the, even through all this time, they still don't have it set up to where you know if you open up a project and you start dumping things into a bin. You know, the location of the bin, once it's lost, it doesn't know what to do. So, Well, Imagine does pretty good with that, but you still have to remember where it's at. You can't just do like you can in, in like Windows or, or Macintosh these days by just, you know, alt-tabbing or whatever, switching to another another thing as easily as you 
you can today. You know, sure. you can you can bring up in the Amiga, you can bring up like uh, directory opus or something, uh, and and flip to it. But you got to watch your chip RAM. Yeah, yeah. Because you might need that for what you're working on now, and you might not even be able to open directory opus because you got these, uh, you got all your chip RAM used up. Well, we'd love to see you know anything that you can put together. If you can send it over, you know, we'll post it up on the blog and. Uh, Maybe it would even inspire some of our other listeners that have done some 3D animation on the Amiga to, to send it over too, because uh, this is kind of a um, an art form that is is unique. You know, early computer graphics animation is is still really cool. And being able to do it from home was the the best thing. It was I, I wasn't making much money off it. I was just having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. you ever uh, mess around with the Morph software that was out back in the day? This is. Cinemore, yes, yeah, Cinemore for the. Uh, yes. Another thing I thought was a neat, uh, neat to play with was that. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the name, but where you'd, you, it basically was a scenery rendering software. Vista Pro. Vista, yes, both, both neat. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a, a, a solid hand at that stuff, but the, uh, I knew enough to fiddle with it, and it was always, uh, I mean, at the time, you, I had never seen anything like it before, and it was, you know, that morphing at one time was a big deal. Uh, and so to be able to do it yourself was really kind of a neat thing. You did, so you have you have fooled with that stuff in the past? Yeah, I think I did. A, a, the only one I remember is uh, between my face and my cats at the time. <laughs> the hardest part was getting – you have to get all these points, these vertices matched together because yes. it'll morph the same – it'll move the same vertice from one place to another through the morph. So you have to get, okay, this is the, this is my nose. This is the cat's nose. There's six vertices around my nose. I got to put all six vertices around the cat's nose and then it knows to morph the nose. It was, and, it was pretty intuitive, eyes. you know, though. I mean, that was, I remember, uh, we, I would morph my buddy. He, we did his face and we t basically did like a zombie and it looked like he was almost looked like he was rotting the way it did. It was really, I mean, again, this for a schlep like myself who was just coming out of high school, it was kind of neat to have that kind of power. The stuff you'd see in the movies it was pretty slick. Yeah, you weren't seeing that on on the uh, the PCs that you were buying at Market Pro shows or whatever. No, ab absolutely not. So that was that. Again, I, my I dipped my toe in the pool of various, you know, I the rendering stuff. You know, I'm like I would render a ball with a light source off one side, but I mean I couldn't do anything of any consequence on there. You know, it takes someone that has a has a special skill to do that stuff. It, right well, now. I didn't have much skill myself. It's just I I I guess I had the time. And the concentration to do it, uh, it's just something I wanted to see the end. So mm -hmm. I work, I did whatever I could to learn to, to to get the end result. And that's that's I guess kind of how I did this stuff. I tried to visualize what it's supposed to look like, and then by hook or by crook, I got there. Even if it took me three weeks of figuring out one little thing that didn't work, it was. I, did I waste time? I don't know. It was always fun to like you'd set that stuff up, and then like you said, it would render for. You know, depending. Of course, if you're an idiot like me, I'd set something up, and it might say it might take forever to render, and I get there, it looks like crap. But it was still neat to see like, what's it gonna look like? You don't, you don't know. <laughs> you know, and that oh, was kind of it was part. kind of the fun. Lighting, lighting yeah. and colors. I mean, some people would would put this stuff together, and they would make it look like watercolors or you know, bright, uh, brightly lit colors. When you really like, when you do like a car or try to design a, just a simple spaceship. You know, you want to have muted colors. It took me a long time to learn to tone back on the colors. If I want something red, I don't want a bright red, but I pick bright red, and I end up with bright red on the screen. I, it took me a while to learn to, okay, let's just mute that down a bit, add a little white to it, or gray it out a little bit more so we have a touch of red, and things look so much better. It's that kind of stuff I had to learn on my own. Yeah, I can um, imagine. I I never had skills anywhere near. For me, if it was red, that was good enough for me. If I wanted red, <laughs> hey, let me let me ask you a quick question. Okay. You know, I was looking through. I was listening to some of your uh, 
to your podcasts. I know they're all over the place, but yeah. Well, are, are, are you still making those? Are they still Are they still going out? Because I the ones I, I couldn't catch anything past like what four or five. And and that's about how many there are. I have I have a few YouTube videos out there also. Uh-huh. It once again, uh, like I said, it's things that when I come across something that I'm learning, and I want to you know I I want to relay that onto somebody else because somebody else may want to learn it too, and uh, so I put it out in that sense. I kind of. That's kind of been on the back burner for a while because um, lately I've been going to school. I actually went late. I, I'm I'm almost fifty, and I finished up my master's degree at forty. I mean my uh, uh, bachelor's degree at forty-seven. I'm on my master's right now, so yeah. a lot of that's been taking my time. That's about eight years of my life there because I've been doing it part time. Um, but I do plan on doing some more. But I also co-host another podcast now. Oh, okay. go ahead. Speak His, on history of personal computing. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. With, uh, what's what's the scoop on that? Well, we started that. David Grealish and I uh, started that um, oh, over a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. And basically, we're just going through. Um, it started out as we were going through about twice a month. We would start at the beginning of personal computing time, which is about the mid-70s with the Altair 8800. Oh, okay. And, and we would dedicate one show to one machine or maybe two machines if we couldn't find a whole lot of information to mm-hmm. do a whole show. And then we went to the next one in series. It, we, it's different tiers. There's like desktop machines that are in tiers. And then there's uh, portables that are, that'll be the next tier or a series of portables from the beginning of portable time. And then eventually we'll get into handhelds. Um, part of that, it went so far before um, commitments from both of our parts uh, shorten it a bit. Now we just do what's called eBay episodes. We go on eBay, we pick a machine, and then we go on eBay try to find out what they're worth. It's sort of like um, it's like a light version of the podcast. It's cool. a neat concept. Yeah, it's, that's a that's a really good idea. Well, I will say, I, like I said, I have listened to your, some of your Vintage Folds podcast. You said a couple of things that really struck me. Uh, you were talking, especially you were talking about the in your very first episode. You were talking about and, and actually a couple of my the other drive ones. time episode. Yeah, right. The uh, remember you, you mentioned that when you and your buddy mentioned too about having a cassette recorder and recording stuff off television with your cassette tape recorder. Oh yeah. And I, I've talked to Boat about this. You know, when I first got a cassette recorder, and I'm I'm close to your age. I'm four. I'm forty four. But when I first got one, it was like magic. I mean, it was so amazing that you could that you could record something like that. It just blew my mind. And I was the same way. I would record Battlestar Galactica and listen to it, make my own little radio shows. Uh, yep. it, it really it. it really struck me. And then I listened to some of the one where you guys were going through the Radio Shack catalog. I thought that was pretty amusing. Uh, again, I used to flip through those things. It was like a it was just the awesome stuff that you could never own, <laughs> basically, <laughs> you know. But uh, I, I got a big kick out of that. Uh, I'm not. Oh, into- I appreciate that. Yeah, um, Mike, uh, Mike Whalen, and I need to finish that. Uh, see, the thing is, everybody gets busy, and I can understand that. Trust um, me, we understand. <laughs> it's it's like it's like hell on wheels to get this one out every week, but we do we do our best, and that's all you can do, right? You can, sometimes roll with your passion, right? Yeah, you got it, you got it, man. Well, Jeff, we we really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, what is if if people just want to follow everything you're up to what is the go-to place for vintage volts oh it'll probably be uh um well vintagevolts.com but um if i can put out the history of personal computing.com that's that's where i'm doing more active podcasting stuff uh most of the computer stuff i can do a lot of computer stuff on the vintagevolts.com but i don't want to make it just that so that's why i end up working with other people and in other podcasts and websites and stuff 
eventually I'm going to get summer's going to come around. I'm going to hit the flea markets and stuff and the old uh, vintage radio shows. And I'm going to put myself back on the map again for vintage volts because there's an old uh, 1950s tube stair or transistor radio that I want to uh, talk about or I buy it and I want to discuss it. Great. That Perfect. sounds great. <laughs> well, thanks again, Jeff. We appreciate it. And yeah, thanks um, a lot, Jeff. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me on.